Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we are so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com. Titania Jordan and Matt McKee are with Bark. Bark helps families manage and protect their children's online lives. They monitor more than 30 of the most popular apps and social media platforms, including text messaging and email for signs of digital dangers. Their screen time management and web filtering tools help parents set healthy limits around how and when kids use their devices. We do a lot of traveling and speaking, and I don't know how many parenting seminars all over the country we do per year, but I don't think we offer a parenting seminar Well, always technology comes up, and we say your name everywhere we go. You guys, we just are so grateful for Bark and what you all have brought to our technology universe. So we're excited to get to know y'all and talk a little bit more about it. And you just got a big award. Tell us about your award. Yes, Bark was awarded the 2022 Social Media Safety Technology Award from the Organization for Social Media Safety, which is One of those things that you are sad that something like that has to exist, but you're thankful that it does. And we're incredibly honored to be awarded with that. In case there are any folks who are not familiar with BART, will you talk a little bit about what it is and what led you to create it? Sure. Our CEO, Brian Basin, who is a dad of two, was actually working at Twitter at the time. His startup had recently been acquired by Twitter, and so he knew tech. He knew social media and parenting as a dad of two. And it came time for him to give his oldest son a device that could access the world and let the world access him. And he was like, wow, there is really no good way to keep my son safer online knowing what I know. Mm. How much more so are other parents across the globe at a disadvantage and children in danger? So he took a big risk, left Twitter, started Bark, Hired Matt McKee and myself. Thank you, Lord. And it's been a great seven years. Wow, seven years. We have a lot of questions about technology, so many different things. People ask all the time when we're in person, but also, you know, it's one of the things people talk about the most on our podcast. So if y'all were going to zoom out and say the three most important things that you feel like parents need to know in terms of technology, what would you all say that they are? The one question that wears me out more than any is how much time should my kid spend on a device? Yes. It's like the number one question that parents ask, and it's the number one question that I wish we'd just throw away. Mm. And the reason being is what it doesn't take into effect is the purpose of their child actually being on a device to begin with. If we could ask the question, what's the purpose of my child even being on a device? I think we'd get to a much better place in terms of the way that we look at our kids and the ways that they use technology. 
Parents ask an efficiency effectiveness question of what will this do for me? And kids ask the question of what will it do? (laughs) And those two questions, one being very curious and exploratory and adventurous, and the other one being an effectiveness question leads us in two totally different areas, which is why I think the time question doesn't really matter. It's the purpose question that really matters. And until parents start giving purpose on why their kids should be there, I could make the argument that an eight-year-old should be on technology 12 hours a day because they're running a business that's actually video gaming and they're making a ton of money. But I could also make an argument that a 16-year-old shouldn't spend an hour on a cell phone a day. And it's because we get to purpose. As a parent, I really wish that we'd ask the purpose question because when we do, then we can get to accountability. Then we can get to fighting for the relationship with our kid instead of fighting with our kid about how much time they're spending on their device. Mm. We did not grow up with this tech. And so we are at a disadvantage. Mm. Parents today are parenting in a time that has never existed in human history. And so there's a lot parents need to know the first thing to realize is that your kids will know more than you do at a much earlier age than you might think that they will be exposed and at a much more frequent rate. Parallel, at the same time, their brains are still developing at the same rate that children's brains have developed across the span of humanity. So they are not able to adequately handle everything that tech throws at them. So yay for parenting, we now have more responsibility on our plate. We, instead of also understanding, you know, the landscape of where they play and go to school and who their friends are and things like potty training and breastfeeding and first foods, like all these things that are so core to parenting, we now need to understand the digital landscape as well. We need to understand the settings on an iPad. We need to sit beside them and play the video games that they are playing. If they have an app on their phone, like Snapchat or TikTok, you better have that app on your phone too. It's more work for parents. So younger age, they're seeing things that maybe we have never seen Mm. and we need to be aware of that. Yeah, that's so good. One of the other things that Titania and I talk about is the importance of having an entrance strategy and an exit strategy when it comes to technology and parenting. And what I mean by that is, you know, at age seven, you should probably know all the passwords that your kid has for every device and every platform that they're on. At age 18, you shouldn't. Mm. And that 10-year time frame is a really tough one when it comes to tech, because not only is your child trying to build trust with you and saying, hey, no, I can handle being on Instagram and I can handle being on all these different platforms. But they're also wanting you to build trust with them that they can trust you that when they do something that you're going to show them empathy, that you're going to show them forgiveness, that you're going to show them all these different things when it comes to technology so that, look, we're going to come alongside you very early and know what's going on. But by the time you leave, we're going to expect you to have a healthy relationship with technology. And we're also going to expect you not to control you, but we hope to, as a parent, teach you self-control so that when you leave, you're a good digital citizen. So what does that mean when it comes to an entrance? And what does that mean when it comes to an exit? Because as parents, that's that's really tough mm. to let your kid go, especially in terms of technology, because you know of all the different dangers and all the different things that are out there. Right. 
Yeah. And this isn't a tech tip. This is more of a relationship tip, Mm. which I think will emerge as the theme of the convo. Yeah. Please don't fall into the trap of thinking, not my kid. I'll know if my kid is in trouble. My kid will tell me. Mm. I will be able to see if something is happening. Please understand that good kids make bad choices. We all could have been there very easily, and it absolutely can be your child. And I'm not just saying that to try to remove a stigma, but it's based on data. Mm. I know we could maybe share some resources later, but the data that we see at Bark from analyzing billions, billions of images and photos and text messages and emojis indicate that a very high percentage of children are encountering the most tough issues. And so, yeah, just don't think it's not your child. Mm. Thank you. That's great. In addition to the question you named well about the amount of time, we get asked all the time about the right age for various devices as well as social media. What do the two of you say when asked those questions? Matt, you start. (laughs) Because we have a bit of a differing opinion here, and that's okay. We really do. And that's the thing. It comes down to maturity. When you look at your child, and not only does it come down to the maturity of your child, but it actually comes down to the maturity of the parent as well. Mm. What I mean by that is my oldest son is now driving and you know is going along. Our youngest son just turned 15 recently. And in the state of Georgia, you go and get your permit when you're 15. You take a written test. And in that written test, then they give you a piece of plastic with your picture on it. And they're like, okay, parent, you're now responsible for this child for the next year of their life to sit in the passenger seat and be scared to death while you try to teach them how to drive. (laughs) And you know what? That same idea, I think, should be applied when it comes to technology. Parents, you know what? I think you should have some expectations. You should have some things in place where you're like, okay, look, for the next year, we're going to do this together. And you're going to sit beside your child and you're going to be scared to death. Mm -hmm. And if you're ready to do that when they're seven, awesome. If you're ready to do that when they're in eighth grade, incredible. So as a parent, It's okay. When are you ready? But when also is your child ready from a maturity standpoint to be held responsible and all these different things? So when do you give your kid their first device? When you think that they're ready to be responsible and you're ready to sit beside them for a year and be scared to death. That's normally my answer. Yeah. I love that answer, Matt. What I would say is that there is no right age for any child to get a device to join a social media network even if the social media network says you should be 13, they still might not be ready for it at 13. Mm. It really depends on the child's emotional maturity. It depends on your level of knowledge about that platform, that device, your ability to spend time cultivating a relationship with them around tech. Every child is so different. What I will say, and this is hard, right? Because parents just want an easy button. They want you to say, yes, at age eight, they should have Minecraft. And at age (laughs) 12, you can go ahead and let them have Snapchat. It doesn't work that way. But what does work is knowing that I have never, ever, ever in my history of being in this space, and I've been in this space for close to two decades now, I've never heard a parent say, I waited too long. I really should have caved and let my child have X, Y, Z earlier, whether it's a gaming platform, whether it's a smartphone, whether it's access to Instagram, Mm. anything. Never, ever, ever heard that. Flip side, I cannot tell you how many times I have heard a parent say, ah, should have waited. Yeah. Should have waited just a little bit longer, myself included. I know what I know, and I 
should have waited to give my son access to the variety of things I've given him access to. And it's hard to take it back. Not saying you can't take it back. That's another dynamic that we see today amongst parents, myself included, (laughs) is sometimes parents are afraid to be the parent and say, hey, I made a mistake. I should not have let you access that. Mm. And I need to be a good parent and dial that back. It's really hard to do, but don't be afraid to do that as well. Great. So in response to that, when we talk about technology with parents, we say you don't want to be the first, you don't want to be the last. So maybe be the next to last. You know, wait till you hear the last few (laughs) kids in the class are getting an iPhone or getting on whatever social media platform. People have gotten really argumentative lately on social media. I'm sure y'all have noticed that. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Come on. Yes. And every time we do that, somebody gets super riled up and says, why would you ever say not to be the last? Why can't we just not do this? I just would be curious what y'all's answer would be to that. I think you've already kind of answered it with the entrance and exit, but anything you would add to that? Well, I think that most parents don't want to lose influence. Right. And they don't want their child to lose influence, not only within their community, but in culture as a whole. When you take your kid out and say, we're not going to allow you to be on tech, or we're not going to allow you to be on any platforms or anything, I think what you're doing is saying, we're not going to allow you to have the ability to influence. Mm. And what happens when you disengage, and this happened all the way back to different groups of people that said, hey, we're just not going to engage in innovation. And then what you see is they lose influence, not only within different areas, but truly they lose influence in culture, Mm. which is why I think it's important as a parent to teach your child, here is the ways as a family that we would love to see our family be able to influence in the ways that we think, in the ways that we love, in the ways that we do life. And I think if you totally disengage with tech, I think you will lose that aspect, which is really hard. Makes a lot of sense. I would say growing up as an incredibly sheltered child, stuff still found its way across my plate, even when I wasn't looking for it. Mm your child is going to be exposed to things that you don't like, that they might not want to be. You cannot live in a bubble forever. And so better to prepare them for what may come and let them know that you are a safe place where you can talk about anything, Mm. anything, even those things. You can talk about it and y'all will navigate it together because it's about the long-term relationship. I think we've all Heard the phrase that later is longer, you know, birth through age 20 is one set and then 20 through hopefully 100 is another set. And you want that 20 through 100 to be full of joy and growth. And you've got to set it up right in that birth through 20. Mm, That's so good. Speaking of those things and knowing that you all do a lot of research at Bark, what would y'all say are some trends you're seeing with kids and technology currently? Each year we actually put out a report and that report goes through, hey, here's billions of messages that we have analyzed on behalf of education and on behalf of hundreds of thousands of parents and mm-hmm. us trying to help as best as we can. And, you know, it is, it's shocking uh, when we get back the results. Those results, Tanya, why don't you go ahead and just share some of the stats that we're seeing. And hopefully this will be an eye-opener, like Titania said, where you go, yeah, not my kid. And then you go, okay, after all these stats, it's definitely your kid. Mm. 
For sure. So here we go. So BARC's 2021 annual report, it's our research on children and technology where we analyzed more than 3.4 billion messages across text, email, over 30 apps and social media platforms. So this is our data set. It's pretty substantial. Well, with regards to self-harm and suicide, which by the way is the second leading cause of death in children in this nation, 43% of tweens, that's children 8 to 12, and 75% of teens were involved in a self-harm or suicidal situation. At Bark, we are sending around 85 severe self-harm and suicidal ideation alerts to parents and caregivers daily. So it is really a growing problem. So you alert the parents when that happens. Yes. Yeah. We have that responsibility of letting the parent know that their child is in imminent danger Mm. and action needs to be taken immediately. It's amazing. With the stigma surrounding even just talking about suicide, you know, there's a lot of work that has to be done. Mm. With regards to sexual content, close to 70% of tweens and 91% of teens encountered nudity or content of a sexual nature. And a quote from an Atlanta middle school principal still shakes me. She said, Titania, sexting is the new first base. So I'll let that sit with you for a moment. Whether it's anxiety or depression, we continue to see them on the rise. And we have got to address it right away. And things that contribute to mental health are drugs and alcohol. 75% of tweens, 93% of teens engaged in conversations surrounding drugs and alcohol. You might not have any of that in your house, (laughs) and you might think they're not seeing it, but they're seeing it. Mm. Bullying is another huge, huge impact, taking its toll not only on our kids, but each other as adults. 72% of tweens and 85% of teens experienced bullying as a bully, victim, or witness, Back to that not my kid thing. It's not just about if your kid is being bullied. Is is your kid being the bully? Mm. Good kids can make bad choices. So we've got to impart kindness and empathy to our kids and all that they do. Disordered eating continues to be on the rise, especially when you're falling into that comparison trap and filtered lives and just tutorials really on cutting calories. You know, it's just not what you need to be looking at when you're an 11-year-old. Predators. Oh, sorry. I just, ooh. yeah, it's hard. It's hard to uh, know what we have seen firsthand as we have gone undercover as an 11 year old mm. on social media to try to surface what is really happening. Mm. Close to 10% of tweens and 21% of teens encountered predatory behaviors from someone online. And it only takes eight minutes for a predator to form a bond with a child. And this is one of the worst stats I'll share with you today. Last year, there was a 97.5% increase in online enticement reports submitted to NCMEC. That's the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Mm. 97.5%. Wow. Wow. You have got to talk to your kids. Yes. Yeah. You have to talk to your kids about tricky people. And so I will pause there. There's a lot. There's a lot I just threw at you. Oh, Yeah. One of the good stats that you need to know, though, is we've actually turned in over a thousand online predators into the FBI as a company. Wow, y'all, that's amazing. Thank you. We've actually helped stop 16 school shootings. Wow. We have helped thousands of kids who are imminently suicidal get help. Wow. So to be able to be a part of something that's missional Mm. and something that truly is making an impact on those stats that 
you just heard is really exciting. Mm. And it's exciting that we get to come alongside counselors like yourselves and say, hey, what can we do and help you all as well? Mm. Wow. Before I, I even ask the next question, I, I just want to say thank you. Yes, thank you both yes, for being missionally y'all. minded and yeah. the work you do. Mm. I am so grateful you shared both the hard stats to sit with and the hopeful stats that reflect the work that you all are doing. So thank you. Thank you. If you don't hear us say anything else today, yes, you're saying that. Thank you. Just grateful. We are so thrilled to be partnering with our friends at Minnow to bring back the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. We all know that devices are here to stay. So if you want to make screen time meaningful for your kids, Minnow is for you. A new streaming service designed just for kids. Minnow has over 2,000 episodes of fun and faith-filled shows that have been carefully curated by moms, dads, and church leaders, so it's safe for your family. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com to start your free trial. We have a lot of parents listening who have younger children and are moving toward the space of introducing technology in case they wouldn't know how Bark works on an Android versus an iPhone product. Would you all talk a little about that? Essentially, Bark is software. There's a lot of different ways you can utilize it. You can go to the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and download the Bark app. You can go on a computer to bark.us to the website and sign up. Like there's a lot of different ways that you can become part of the Bark family. When you become part of the Bark family, which means basically you give us your email address and tell us a little bit about you and your family and what you need, then we do the work of walking you through How can we best help protect you and your family? What do your kids have? What are you looking to monitor? Are you worried about email? Are you worried about screen time? Are you worried about their mental health? Tell us what you're worried about and we'll tell you what to do. It's very nuanced. You know, every family has a different tech stack, meaning up to 30 different types of connected devices inside and outside the home. But the good news is is that we'll walk you through how to connect each one in the best way, get it set up to be as safe as it technically possibly can be. And in terms of what the heck does Bark do then, we're using artificial intelligence to monitor the context of content. So it's not just like keyword flagging for like the obvious troublesome words. It's really analyzing the context of conversations to determine, you know, are they just kidding or are they serious? Is this a serious issue we need to pay attention to? Our algorithm can analyze context of grooming conversations that would be taking place between an adult and a child, which is a very different type of conversation than a peer-to-peer conversation. So it's a really amazing bit of science that goes into this parenting and a tech world relationship. And it all starts with you just telling us what do you need help with, and then we help you. Yeah. And then in essence, what happens on Android from a technical standpoint is they have some accessibility settings that you can then set and say, I want Bark to be able to monitor anything and everything that happens on the screen of this device. 
It doesn't matter if it's any platform, whether that's Snapchat or TikTok or doesn't matter what it is. And even encrypted messages, let's say on WhatsApp or some of the other platforms out there. So when we then analyze things that your son or daughter has seen on a screen on an Android device, then we can send you an alert. And not only does Bark send you an alert, but we actually send you, hey, here's the conversation to have around that alert. Mm. And, you know, the other key point is Bark does not allow you to see everything that your kid has seen because kids do need some privacy. And there are some innocent things that they do all day. And you as a parent don't want to have to try to go through and watch every YouTube video they did. (laughs) You don't want to have to go through and see every post that they saw. But what you do want to know is if there was a stranger at the door and there was something that is offensive that's happening, then you'd want a really good digital watchdog that come alongside and give you an alert, maybe give you a bark that says, here's the thing that you need to be worried about, or here's the thing that you need to have a conversation about. Mm. And that's why bark exists. We're going to let you know that your son or daughter is depressed right now, and here's the conversation to have, or that your son or daughter is having to deal with anxiety. So here's the conversation to have. And we can actually just do a better job on Android because of the accessibility settings on that than what we have access to in terms of iOS. iOS gives us a lot of access, but not as much. We're looking at text messages, we're looking at images, we're looking at emails, we're looking at all kinds of stuff. And we're even trying to work with platforms that are very prevalent on iOS devices as well, like TikTok, like Snapchat, like all these others, that it wouldn't even matter what device they're on. That's great. Whether on their computer, an Android device, or an Apple device. So all that to say, yes, we can help families with iOS devices, but that's why we say, if you really want to know all the different things that are happening, then yeah, pick the Android device over the iOS so that you can walk alongside them for that first year. And as your, again, entrance and exit, as your son, daughter, they get older, then guess what? You can transition or they can transition to an iOS device because trust has been built in all those different pieces. That's great. That said, we know the majority of the country is using Apple devices and thankfully Bark can help you if you are an iOS family. Bark can monitor text, voice memos, photos and videos, notes on Apple devices, no problem. Also email, whether your child has an AOL, (laughs) Gmail, Yahoo, iCloud, Bark can monitor those. And over 30 social media platforms, apps like Instagram and Pinterest and Slack and Reddit and Spotify, you know, YouTube, the apps your kids are using, Bark can monitor those as well. Where we are limited with iOS devices, really it's with regards to Snapchat, mm. which is an app I'd say your kid doesn't really need to be on. I love that you said that. What you can do with Bark and iOS is limited. So while mm. you can't monitor Snapchat on an iOS device, you can block it. Okay. If you do let your child have it during certain hours of the day, okay. And then you can just say no more Snapchat and you can turn it off. That's great. We're constantly working with the platforms, there's ongoing dialogue. And if a platform can ever monitor Snapchat, you better believe we'll be the first one to do it. Mm, okay. Great. What about TikTok? TikTok is interesting. We can block TikTok, but 
TikTok is not letting anybody monitoring their content because they purport that they have their own parental controls, which they do, but your kid can turn them off. Mm. It makes me so mad because it's one thing to be out there and say, hey, we've got these great parental controls. You can use them. But that's not fair. It's not fair Mm -hmm. to parents who take the time, set them up, and then their kid in one fell swoop can say, yeah, no, unlink. Mm. So TikTok, you need to do better and you need to work with Bark. Yes. So much so that 43 attorneys general sent a message to TikTok and Snapchat saying, you should open up your platform to a third party like Bark and let them help monitor this for parents. Wow. It's that big a deal. Good. Fantastic. Because I counsel primarily girls. And I would say currently TikTok has become, y'all know this, the number one place that girls are going for mental health information. And y'all have seen probably this too, but the amount of tick disorders that are emerging because girls are watching influencers who have ticks. There's a great article from the Cleveland Clinic where it's popping up in different regions of the country where they can track that kids are watching that more. So I'm with you. I want TikTok monitored too. It's so concerning to me. Yeah, the New York Times actually just came out, I believe, today with a piece on what students are saying about teen mental health Mm. and how these platforms are affecting them. And here's a quote from the article that says, I personally use TikTok as therapy instead of going through the struggles of telling someone real. It would show me videos about pro-anorexia, depression, and suicidal ideation. It made me feel as if I was less alone when in reality, it was more damaging than I would know. Thank you for sharing that. And that's exactly what we're seeing day in and day out in our offices. Yeah. I had a, I think she was 14-year-old girl who said to me she had created her own TikTok account to help other kids with mental health. And I remember thinking, what do you have to say? (laughs) It's a little concerning. So if y'all had to say the social media platform that you do think is the most concerning, that you would really encourage parents to either avoid or hold off as long as they can, you know, it's the hill they're going to die on, what would y'all say it is? Snapchat and TikTok. Yeah. They are the most popular and the least willing to do the right thing by parents and children so far. Mm. Yeah. You know, I have two teenage boys. Neither one of them are on Snapchat and one's 17. And we even have had that conversation. Hey, what does it look like? And bring me the reason why you need to be on it. Mm -hmm. And if we can get there, even as a recording music artist, it doesn't make sense. Now, it makes sense for his music to be on TikTok because he wants to be successful, but it doesn't make sense for him to be on Snapchat, even though you know he's got a bunch of friends that are on it. So that's where we come down. Mm, yeah. I want to chime in here, full disclosure, because I do not want to be a hypocrite and let you know that my 13-year-old does have both. Mm. He has Snapchat and he has TikTok. That is not a decision that I came to easily. It's not one that I am thrilled about, but it was one that my husband and I came to a conclusion on when we had to look at the entire landscape of his mental health, how he was going to be interacting with his peers as an only child over a pandemic. Yes. So it's not easy. Right. It's not easy. And you can be a good parent and let your child have access to these things. Mm, Thank you for saying that. You better believe we are having a ton of conversations (laughs) about all kinds of things. And he has made mistakes and we have made mistakes. But at the end of the day, it was better for his mental health 
to be able to have connection with the people that he did on these platforms than to be completely cut off and then bullied at school. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it goes back to that analogy of sitting in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. You got to be willing to sit in the passenger seat alongside your child. Mm-hmm. And because of that, because Titania and her husband are willing to do that, then yeah, you can look at platforms differently. The problem is too many parents aren't willing to sit in the passenger seat. And therefore, it's hard to say, yeah, your kids should be on these platforms. Mm-hmm. You all, as we record this, we're coming up on summer. And it seems to consistently be that season when we see the most parents getting panicked about kids and technology, just that, you know, 35 hours of the school week are no longer a part of their every week. I know we've talked a little already about time limits, but any other guidance or guidelines you'd recommend for parents as they navigate technology in the summers? Yeah, I would say, and again, full disclosure, as somebody who has let tech babysit their child (laughs) because there is work to be done. I'd like to give my son a framework for understanding the why behind breaks. A child's body, a growing body, a teen's body is not meant to be sedentary for more than two hours at a time. You need to be physically active. You need to move. The neural connections that are in your brain need to form and grow by doing a bunch of different things that involve all five of your senses, not just sitting and typing and using your eyeballs in front of a screen. We talk about the science behind the brain and dopamine and serotonin and how certain aspects of tech stimulate your brain much like, you know, sugar does or, uh, you know, Coca-Cola. And so we talk about the science behind it so that he can understand it's not just mom being a wet blanket. It's mom caring about his mental and physical health. Mm. So does my kid spend too much time on a screen? Yeah. Has he gotten to a point now where he can self-regulate and put it down and say, you know, I need to get outside. I need to play with my dog. I need to meet up with my friends in real life instead of in the virtual world. Yes. So there is hope. That's great. One of the big things that you'll see this summer, more than likely, especially if you have a son, because I got two of them, is that they'll engage in online gaming. Online gaming is one of those technology pieces that you look at and My youngest son, a freshman in high school, is actually on his high school esports team. That's right. He had to go out for a physical to play esports on video games. And, you know, during the pandemic, we all were in our houses more, in our homes more, and we were connected more to technology. And he said, hey, I want to get much better at a game called Rocket League. And if you don't know Rocket League, you drive a car around, you hit a soccer ball into a goal. And you're doing this in teams of three on three. And if you make your high school team, then you're on a team of three or two other people with you. Well, what's amazing is the mindset shift of what happens when you look at video games and you say, this isn't just something that we're going to do for fun, but if we're really going to compete, then here's what I'm going to have you do. My son actually videotaped himself playing the game. He then went back and looked at the video and said, okay, here's how I'm going to improve. Here's the things I need to work on. Here's what I need to practice on. And from there, you know, he ranked up and all these different games have all these different ranking systems. So what you can do with your child is say, that's great. You want to play a game? Then we're going to look at this just like we would any other sport. Like soccer, we're going to do two-a-days, but you're going to get better. You're also going to practice. You wouldn't practice 
eight hours a day, (laughs) you know, playing soccer. Yes. Maybe, but, you know, more than likely you wouldn't. So just the mindset shift of saying it's okay to compete and competition's great. My son went on this past year. They had two teams at his high school qualify for the state championship. My son's team ended up eighth in the state at Rocket League. The other team ended up first and beat out my son's team. And all three of the guys who are playing Rocket League will go on to get college scholarships. So don't look at video games just as a, oh, you're just playing again. Look at it in a way that says, this is a possibility that they could go on and actually pay for their college. Mm -hmm. And if you change your mindset in ways to do that, then yeah, you don't look at it as they're rotting their brain, but instead you look at it as this is an opportunity. I did not know that was a thing, esports. Wow. It's really cool. Yeah. Are they competing? Are they curating? Are they creating? Are they connecting? Yes. Or are they just piecing out? Great (laughs) questions. Yes. Well, this season of our podcast has been based off of a book called Modern Parents Vintage Values. And one of the things we've asked guests, we've had, you know, what do you think is one of the biggest hurdles for parents today? And 99.9% of them have said technology. And we have been talking, too, from an emotional standpoint about how we have never seen as many parents feel as worried and discouraged and hopeless as we're seeing in our counseling offices. When we first started doing parenting seminars, I used to do one on technology, and we would send out a real slip of paper that was like an evaluation. And I would take chocolate after something you did, because I hate talking about technology to parents. They look so (laughs) panicked the whole time. And so I would pass around the chocolate, and I remember one woman wrote on an evaluation, next time bring alcohol. (laughs) I thought it was so good. (laughs) So for those parents who are sitting thinking, how can I have a glass of wine and listen to the rest of this podcast? (laughs) What would y'all say just to give them some hope? You've done a lot along the way, actually, but what would you add? Yeah, I would say that there absolutely is hope. Mm. If your child knows that you are a safe place and that they are loved unconditionally, no matter what, and there's going to be a lot of no matter what's, you're going to be okay. The common sentiment that we're hearing from parents outside of just being overwhelmed and frustrated by tech is longing to connect with their kid. Your child, sooner than you might realize, doesn't think you're the coolest thing in the world anymore. And then you're just longing to connect with them and understand their world. And so you've got to meet them in their world. If they're playing Fortnite, as much as you don't want to do that, sit beside them and try to figure it out. You might not enjoy playing the game, but you'll enjoy connecting with them in a way that they're interested in. Mm. Just don't ever stop fighting for that relationship with your child and trying to connect with them on their level and try to force them into the vintage mold of what (laughs) you think they should be interested in, like reading books, (laughs) which would be great. (laughs) One of the questions that has really changed our family when it comes to technology is the question of, can you teach me how? Mm. Can you teach me how that app works? Can you teach me how that device works? Can you teach me how that game works? In doing so, it changes the posture of the parent. And it comes to the relationship as a, hey, you can teach me things. And I do care about you. And I do care about what you're into and what you're seeing. And this isn't about trying to control you. 
This truly is trying to build a better relationship with you. And that question of, can you teach me how? Like if parents get nothing else from this podcast, hopefully they go back, they hug their child, Mm -hmm. and they ask the question, can you teach me how? And I think it will. I think it will change the way they look at technology. I think it will change the way that they look at their kids looking at technology. You get to see the way your kids look at technology, and then you get to then put them on a path that says, this is what we do as a family, which is very impactful. Mm. You all, this is a fun moment in our podcast. We end every podcast by talking about tacos, so we're going to move from technology to tacos now. (laughs) We like tacos. Yes, and would love to know what are your favorites. Y'all are in Atlanta, so you have Super Rica, right? Yes. Yes, we do have Super Rica, which is fantastic. We also have CT Taqueria, which is awesome. There's all kinds of great places in Atlanta for tacos. There's a good chance that I'll end up at Super Rica tonight. I was at CT yesterday. So what's that tell you? Yes, I'm a huge fan of tacos. I was just at Super Rica last night for dinner. I was in your great city flying through and had just enough time to detour from the airport to Super Rica. So I support that plan. That's awesome. I also want to give Bar Taco a shout out. I love that place. And I'm actually in California right now. So tons of great taco options here. But my favorite, favorite, favorite taco is one that my husband Bjorn makes, who is a whiz in the kitchen. And it involves some grilled chicken, some mango, some sharp cheddar cheese, Mm. and a crunchy corn tortilla. And it's just like, mm, it's magic. That sounds amazing. That's making me hungry for lunch. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, Well, y'all, I feel... I love Bark more than I knew that I loved Bark. After sitting with the two of you, I think we probably both feel that way and feel even more passionate about telling other people because the heart behind what y'all are doing and your intention of wanting to connect families and wanting to bring hope and wanting to safeguard kids, truly, that it feels like it's coming from who you all are and what you're passionate about just means the world. So thank you. Like David said, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for changing lives. Thank you for keeping kids sometimes out of our offices because you're taking care of them and, you know, feels like we're working in tandem. So really grateful for y'all. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Y'all are truly a beacon of hope in this world, and we're thankful to be a part of it. Thank you. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.